The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney. In the next hour, you'll hear from some phenomenal people and healthcare leaders and learn how their challenges became opportunities. Our goal is to show you how you can positively influence your own life experience and purpose and achieve success. And now, here is your host, Danielle Delaney. Hello and welcome. This is The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney, and I am your host, Danielle Delaney. Welcome to my show. Today, my guest is Devetta Burnett. Devetta is a psychotherapist who resides in Los Angeles with her busy five-year-old daughter. She has been working in mental, women's mental health care particularly for the last 15 years. In her private practice, her focus is on helping women to find a balance between the demands of life and their daily obligations. She assists women with self-esteem, transitions, building better relationships, both intimate and family, and decreasing anxiety and depression and self-doubt, empowering her clients to put structure in place so that life's obstacles, such as being a daughter, a friend, a wife, and mother, don't get in the way of actually living their dreams. From Dezetta's own personal experience, she hasn't let motherhood get in the way of her career or her dreams. She has navigated her career in a way that allows her to get off of work by 3 p.m. so that she can pick up her little princess and attend the piano lessons and be the classroom parent. Dezetta's philosophy in life is there is a way around everything, which is how she tackles her life daily. Welcome, Dezetta Burnett, and it is a pleasure to have you here on my show today. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, I'm just so glad to have your voice here because... You know, myself not being a mother and having so many friends in my age range and younger and older who are parents, I feel that I need to actually address this issue of working women out there in the workforce and in the home and taking care of the kids and driving in the traffic and doing everything else that you do. I actually don't even know how all of you manage, and it's the most important job in the world, on the planet. And I don't even know if my friends know I feel that way. But it really is. You're shaping little minds and creating lives and futures. And I just, I really wonder how you do it all. How do you do it all? I think you have to have structure and you have to be really clear and have boundaries. I think that's what gets you through. Because talking about tricky, you know, if you work on one side of the city and your child goes to a different city, it's hard to navigate that. But you have to be really clear when you get your what the demands are and what you're going to do and what you won't do because society doesn't view, view motherhood as a, as a career. They view it as secondary when it's really a primary for your household. It's the structure, like you said, we're shaping little minds. So for You are shaping I'm, little I'm minds and lives. Does that speak up a tiny bit, just, just a little tiny bit because I'm having a little bit of trouble hearing you. So, so you're saying that you're shaping little minds and worlds and that it is the most important job in the world. You agree with me, right? I definitely agree 
the world views it that way. They always want more at work and less of time at home. So, you know, they create these work schedules that don't allow you to take your kids to school and pick them up sometimes. So there's a nanny or you have to solicit help from your family. Yeah, now soliciting help from a nanny or the family and, and getting people at work to really understand that, I, I'd love to know, how do, you, how do you feel about that? Do you feel that working women and men alongside you in, in the facilities where you work, in the places that you're doing your psychotherapy practice, do you feel that they understand the demands of your, on your time? Are they empathetic? Are they sympathetic? What's the, kind of, what's the ratio between working parents and working people that don't have kids? And what's that relationship like? like tell me an anecdote maybe about you know, what it's like to go to work and know that you've got to leave because your child is sick or because you have something going on. And what kind of response do you get? What is that like? I want a really good team, and they all are understanding. Not everyone's parents. My previous boss was a parent, but the owner, he's not a parent. But he's really understanding when I say I can only, I have to leave here by 2. If not, I'll hit traffic, and I won't be able to get my child. Mm-hmm. So now the way he understands that is he's put me in a position where I can work from home. So I don't actually see clients at the center I work at anymore. I actually go over the paperwork, and I can do that at home, so it allows me to be there for my child. But it's really being clear. You go into a job, and they, they tell you how much they're going to offer, but you have to say how much you're going to willing to give. And your time. How much of job. your time you're willing to give? Right, how much time you're willing to give, because there's a way to give to work from home and work where you are. So you can do five hours of work at work, and then when, when the child goes to sleep, complete the other three but you have to find somebody that's willing to allow you to do that. Right, that's, and really a lot not, of a, that's not a common kind of position, I would think. I would think that's kind of hard to do because I remember when I, I mean, I work for myself, my practice is private, and I work for myself now, but I hire other people, and some are mothers, some of the sober companions I send out because I have that business as well, and some of them aren't, aren't able to travel. They, they only can companion people in Los Angeles, or they can travel, but it's for a few days while they, they arrange childcare or while they co-parent with someone else. And it's, it just really seems like it's a difficult situation to walk into not knowing, uh, you know, how, if someone's going to be understanding, how you're going to structure that. How did you start off doing that? I mean, did you sit down in an interview and say, do you, are you open and forthcoming about that in the beginning and say, I've got a child, I'm, I'm willing to give this much time? And what's the kind of response you got? Was it very welcoming here? Did you have other experiences where it seemed not as, not as sympathetic? I, mean, I just can't imagine all of those demands at the same time. Tell me a little bit about setting that up, setting up that structure. Well, I'm really clear when I walk in the door because I'm a single mom, so I have to let people know there's just me. And I have help with my family, but I'm, I'm the person she looks for if she has an ouch or something happens. So when I walk in the door and we're negotiating rates, I have to negotiate time and say, these are all the hours that I can work. And if that doesn't work for them, then unfortunately, I, I have enough faith to know that isn't the job for me. Right. And so when I walk into this position, I let them know that this probably, I can only do 10 to 2 based on the traffic. I tried longer hours at first, the first week and I walked in and I said, I can't do that. I have to be able to get to my child. And it's not about the cost, it's about the time. Mm-hmm. Let's work out something. And they were very understanding. And, and in my field, they're very understanding of that. So I think it's, I'm living my dream because my dream in life was to be a mom but also have a career. Mm-hmm. And so I have to have out to make it look the way that I want it to look. And so that's why when I'm working with women, I always tell them, what is your dream? Because it, if it's your dream, it's going to work if you work hard enough for it and you lay out the foundation and the structure. 
So, of course, there's some places that probably would give me resistance on that schedule, but I would be applying to those places to work if I looked at a schedule that said, you know, 10 to 7, then that would not be the job I would That would not work for you, exactly. And when you're, when you're dealing with your, with your clients that are telling you that they need help structuring a life that doesn't compromise their dreams but where they can take care of their child, what do you tell them that, like look for something? How do you guide them to do so? Because I'm sure some of them don't have your same credentials and education and master's degree and, and all of that, all of those qualifications that make you able to work in this field that is understanding about it. What do you tell, say, a working mom who says, you know, I, my dream is to teach, so maybe that works for her child's hours, or, or her dream is to be in accounting or be in law and their hours aren't as accommodating. What, what would be your advice to that, that overwhelmed mother, that overwhelmed listener who might be listening now, so who's thinking, how can I make my life have structure to work and, and still care for my family? What would you tell them? So maybe what I would tell them is maybe it's not being able to pick up your child every day. Maybe there's a give and take, and some days you'll be able to take them to school and some days you'll pick them up. But negotiating with your employer a schedule that will work, that will allow you to be there for your child. So whether maybe that's, I'm going to work from 10 to 2.30, I want to go pick up my child and have dinner, I'll pick up and start doing work after that. Is that okay? A lot of people may be a resistant to that because they don't understand what it's like to be a mom. Right. But with the way society is viewed now and all the things that are going on, I think we need to put more energy into this and empower ourselves as women to know that we have worth, and our worth is more than being in the workplace. These children's minds are so important in the development. I deal with, you know, so many women and men that suffer from all kinds of mental illnesses, and it's sometimes they just needed the time to talk to someone and to get the help early on. Their parents mm-hmm. were at work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel you on that. I absolutely do, because some of my clients, and I have people from 17 years old up to 70 or 80 years old. And it's really interesting when we get into it and delve into their history, whether they have co-occurring disorders along with addiction or whether they've been traumatized and I'm dealing with something else entirely, like it's a life transition or a divorce or, you know, anything, because I counsel people across the board about very many different subjects and different types of transition in their lives. I do get, be- get into their childhood sometimes and talk to them about, what their upbringing was like. And in my understanding, and having two siblings of my own, I have three siblings, but as parents, I have two older sisters, and each one is a parent, and one is married, and one is not. So one is in a single-parent household, and the other is not. And, and having observed that and speaking with my clients, I find that it's kind of a, um, I'd say it's sort of a myth that it's only a, a, a two-parent household is going to have a happy, well-adjusted child. And I'd like to know what your take is on that, because... I find that just having someone available to talk to them and available to them, it, it's more important than whether there's one or two. And that's how I see it. As long as there's an excellent parent, an excellent parent figure that they look up to and can talk to, I feel like they have a well-rounded life. What, what do you feel? What's the difference between a single-parent household and, um, and a married couple, two partners, or two, just two partners um, I, who aren't married, either or? What do you think? I think the biggest difference is that um, society views single motherhood or single parenthood as a choice. Like sometimes it's not a choice, it's what's given to you. And so when you have that, you can't say, well, because this is a life that I'm given, my child is not going to be as successful. Mm-hmm. So sometimes that's what it becomes. You have to weigh your options. So do I want to make this amount of money or make less, a little less money and live a, you know, live a lifestyle that allows me to be there for my child? One versus two, I have plenty of friends that are married with children 
And we, my, ch- my child plays with their children all the time, and I don't know that they're any better or less than better than my child. I think they're equal because we put the same amount of time in. Right. And sometimes what I'm finding with the two-parent household is that the mother's doing the bulk of the work. So there are two parents, but she's still a single mom, essentially, because she's responsible for the nurturing, the emotional, the, the providing dinners and all the rest of these things, and maintaining employment. So mm-hmm. I think it's changed over the course of our generation and so a two-parent household doesn't look like it, like, you know, like it looked back in the day when um, the mom would stay home and care for the kids all the time. That's ideal. But right now, with the cost of living, we have to weigh our options. And so right. I don't know that one's well-adjusted and one's not well-adjusted. But what I am seeing more times than not is that mothers that are married are just as single as the ones that aren't. I agree with you on that. I have to agree with you on that because... Um, in two-parent households, and, and sometimes it's same-sex, sometimes it's male-female, sometimes anything, everything I've observed in my lifetime, really, I've watched and I've listened and I've learned that it seems that as long as they really do have that structure and support from a parent, that the child does very well. And I think it's, it's sort of, um, you know, at the days of Mad Men and the days of the 60s when we're talking right. about the, what, what it looked like to have a family way back when, and I'm, I'm referring to the show Mad Men, the TV series, that right. was, um, you know, you'd see the mom at home in the 50s, and you'd see the father come home with his hat, and the t- dinner's on the table, and all of that, and the two-parent household, and those shows, I mean, when I watch that show, or when I even look back on, on my parents' childhood, it doesn't seem that that is necessarily something that makes a, a well-rounded individual. It just is the, the experience with the parents, and whether it's a good a good experience, and whether they're modeling the proper behaviors and things, teaching the kids the same things that they need to learn, that a single parent can also teach. And I'm noticing with friends of mine that are two-parent households, I think that you're absolutely right. I noticed that the woman seems to be, in a, in a woman and man marriage, it seems like the woman is kind of a single mother, whether she's married or not, because right. the work at home is so much work, and there's going to the store, there's going to school plays, there's packing the lunches, there's you know just all the child rearing and taking care of the little owies, as you say, when they hurt each other. I love to call it an ouch or owie. That, that there's just so much nurturing going on, and even if the other parent is also at work, it seems the mom is just so hands-on. It is almost like she's on her own even if she isn't. It's a lot to juggle, and do you find that... that it is the biggest job. It is a lot. And what do you find? Do you have friends that are single or that are single, that are, well, I would say that aren't mothers, that are child-free. I don't say childless, but child-free, like myself. Do you have friends around, and is there a comparison of what your lives are like? Because I find that happens, and I'd love you to share what you find happens in that kind of friendship, because I'll tell you what I think. But tell me what you think about that. Um, yeah, I have friends that are single, and their lives are so different. Like, I have a friend that she's 40, she's single, and so she can go party and hang out and go travel when she wants to. And sometimes I kind of envy that when I see Facebook. I'm tall, but then I know <laughs> what she really wants in life, and I look at her, and she and she loves she she loves my daughter so much, and she wants that life too. So it's it's sometimes they're very understanding though. But I find that I don't hang out with the ones that are single that don't have children. Um, it just doesn't work out that way. How about couples that don't have children? Do you spend time with any couples or, or women that are in relationships but don't have children? Women that are in relationships that don't have children? No, I haven't had the luxury to do that lately. Really? And no, what about women with careers I, that don't have children, like such as myself? I don't have children, but I'm, 
I'm very, very, very much career driven. Do you have any friends like that or people at work that just are career people, other psychotherapists, other counselors, but they're just, they don't have kids? Do you have a few of those around at all? Yes, I have plenty of friends that are career driven and they don't, and they're single, but they're, they're trying to balance their career. And even that's hard. Just having a career and trying to have relationships is a hard thing too. So it's almost like being a parent because they're trying to have this career that they dream of, but they're kind of limited because they, because of the demands of their career, because people expect more from you because you're single and you don't have children. Thank you. Thank you. That's what I was looking for because, um, I have so much understanding, or I feel I exhibit a lot of understanding toward my my friends that do have children, and they can correct me if I'm wrong, but I try to really get it that um, we're at odds as far as our schedules, because they're up first thing in the morning taking their children to school, feeding their children, taking care of what they need to take care of, and then maybe while the kids are at school, they're going to the market, or maybe they're lunch mom that week, so they're at school, or classroom parent, classroom mom, so they're doing all of those things, and while they're doing those things during the day, sometimes that's when they'll have a moment to, t- to touch base with me. And um, when they're doing that, I am working because my career, I like to say it is like my child, but I know it's not the same thing. But to me, it's a living, breathing organism that I take care of. And if I neglect it for a moment, I won't have the success that I've enjoyed for so long. So what I do is I'm really focused on my work and I'm still getting enough sleep and taking care of that, but I don't have a whole other person to take to the dentist or to take to the endocrinologist or to take <laughs> to the everything. I can't even imagine thinking about someone else's teeth. So when they say things like that, it gives me a reality check. You know, I think, wow, I haven't had to think about someone else's tooth coming in or someone else's eating habits or someone else's tummy ache. I just am I'm focused on mine, but my career, you know, I have, in our jobs, we have so many people that are like, I call them my chickens, you know, they're like my chickens, I care what my chickens are up to, whether they're 70 or whether they're 17, and as they come in, my attention shifts to each one and what they're going through, but the idea that you do that all day long and then your attention shifts completely to your little one in the evening or after school, not even evening, after three, it it just seems like almost a a split life, like you're living a dual existence, and mine isn't so much. So I, it's just such a different experience. I think it's so, it informs us so much to talk to people that have a different lifestyle. Right. And I think we all live different lives, but the hardest part, um, switching that role and coming home to be mom, I think it's a gift that, that, that God gave me because I don't know how, sometimes I'm like, I did all that in a day. Like, I, how did I do it? I feel like superwoman. And so when moms say they're superwomen, sometimes I'm thinking, yeah, you actually are. Because they actually are. You don't get sleep. Yeah. They are. And we miss that part because we beat ourselves up about oh my goodness, did I not make it on time? Like yesterday, I almost missed piano lesson because I overcommitted. So it's just trying to have a balance. But I got the piano lesson at the end and she's like, well, you were a little late because I had to have someone else pick her up. Right. But it's just having that balance and being okay with not always being there. That's I mean, and that's, that's the hard part. I think that's important because superwoman is absolutely what I feel when I, when I watch my friends. I feel they're superwomen. I think that's completely accurate. And I think, how is this friend taking care of her daughter, her son, her, you know, one of my friends, dear friend of mine has a 16 year old 
and and she's learning to drive, and she's a swimmer, and she takes her to swim meets on the weekend, and she's driving home from work and will give me a call. Sometimes I can talk, sometimes I'm in session and I can't, but her whole day is filled with work, and sometimes she's working till very late in the evening now that her daughter's a teenager. She's okay on her own, and she has her husband at home too, but it's it's just unbelievable to me to see how much they do, and then sometimes she'll call me, and she's in Trader Joe's, or sometimes right. she'll call me, and she's you know, stuck in traffic and talking about what she's got to do in the morning at work. And I think, my goodness, and when you get home, your day isn't done. You can't just flip on the TV and watch a little Bravo and decompress like I do. You've got all these other responsibilities tugging at you and somebody else who wants to eat and somebody else whose needs are are superseding your own. And I find it's really... I think it's, a, it's to give yourself a break, like you said, you know, to just realize, not a physical break, but an, an emotional break on yourself, to not be so hard on yourself if you can't be everywhere at once, if you're running a tiny bit late. It's just not the end of the world. And I think that's something that people need to hear. But I don't think as women we talk about that enough because I think as women, if you don't do something, it's viewed as weak. You, and, we don't, and we don't share that it's okay to be late. My girlfriends and I were talking the other day, and we, we, sit, we have a, a text thread that we go through, and we'll say things like, today was, I didn't do this, or I feel bad about this, or I suck to do this. And so today's topic was, we want to go to yoga. And she's like, well, I have to see if the grandparents can babysit because tonight's my husband's night to get his hair cut. And, mm-hmm. you know, just trying to manage all that. We have those conversations, but if you don't tell somebody, sometimes you can't share that information because as women, they did it 100 years ago, and they were doing it better than we are. And so now it's like, well, if you don't do it the same way, you're weak. That's interesting that it's viewed as a weakness, and I think what you said is so important there, Dezetta, because what you do in your practice with working with women's mental health for 15 years and helping them find a balance between the demands of their life and the obligations, I would imagine that you do have to tell them that, that, you know, you have to decompress, and that's kind of, and to debrief a little bit, to talk to your therapist or talk to a counselor and talk about it and find someone who understands that can hear you because... Um, I actually have the the opposite experience with a couple of friends of mine that had kids when they were younger, when they were in their 20s and 30s, or early 20s. Like one of my sisters, she felt like no one understood for years because they didn't get how much she was doing for her little daughter, for my niece Kelsey, who's now in her 20s. But my sister had her then, Lorraine had her then, and felt like her friends weren't having kids yet. And they honestly felt, she felt misunderstood and left out of a lot of things and that her life entirely shifted and these other people's hadn't. So it was... It was a lot for her, to, and thank goodness she had her siblings and her mother to talk to, but some people can't afford to go to counseling or therapy, and what would you recommend for that? I would say to look for a sliding scale rate or a group, a support group or something. What do you, what do you think they could do if they need to really talk about it like your friends do in the text? I, I just think being open with your friends sometimes. Sometimes we have the support system right at our disposal and we don't use it because we don't want to be vulnerable. So it's, that's mm. coming back to saying, I don't want to be weak. To say that I wasn't able, sometimes we talked about it, it was so funny the other day, we talked about one of my friends was like, I don't give my kid a bath every night. And we're like, girls, don't feel bad. I don't either. I was tired. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> but you feel guilty, right? You feel guilty because I didn't give him a bath last night. And it's like, well, I was tired. And, but I got to spend extra time with him versus giving a bath. But that's the kind of guilt we put on each other. But having that conversation, it was so funny that we all lit up like, I don't either. <laughs> and so just being vulnerable and okay with being wrong, because I don't think as moms, we don't want to be wrong. 
We don't want to be viewed as weak, and we want to feel like we have it all together. And it's okay sometimes not to have it together. That's the best really a good, that's a good acknowledgement. That's a good acknowledgement because that superwoman complex and not, feeling, not wanting to feel vulnerable and tell people, it's so nice that when you said it that they all lit up and, and started talking about it, that neither do I. Because I think a kid having sticky fingers or a sticky face or, or not being bathed one night, but the kid is breathing and healthy and happy and has been fed and is bundled up and sleeping comfortably is so much more important, but everybody seems focused on making sure everything's done perfectly. And I think that's a really, really strong good point, too, that their friends, you know, just debriefing and talking to your friends is is kind of unloading in a way and letting off some steam to be vulnerable and say, oh, I'm having a hard time handling everything. And we forget that our closest helping hand is our own, that we can actually reach out to friends. It doesn't have to necessarily be therapy. I think therapy's a wonderful tool and what we do, but it is true. You can talk to other people and the more open you are, I think the more you'll find that people relate and say, yeah, so I, I didn't get to do that with my kid either. And, and you can find some common ground there and not feel so overwhelmed all by yourself and alone. Right. Because sometimes that feeling alone is when you're not being very clear about how you feel. So I, oftentimes I feel like if I feel alone, it's because I didn't tell someone else how I'm really feeling because there's always someone that can relate to something that you feel. And we were at work the other week and uh, one of my coworkers who's a therapist was feeling so bad because summer camp is expensive. And she's like, so should I work or should I stay home and do summer camp? She's like, I feel like I should just take the week off and be with my kids. But then when I'm at home, I'm going to feel really guilty about being with them and not making money. And we were going back and forth. And I was just like, well, you just have to do what's best for you. What is going to give you peace inside? Because that's what I come to realize sometimes. What is going to give me peace and not make me feel anxious? Am I going to feel anxious that I didn't go to work or anxious that I'm not with her? Wow. So it's either way. It's just kind of sometimes you feel like you can't win, but it's really just giving yourself that break, that it's giving yourself a break, just thinking it's okay either way, but what a a responsibility to have to figure out which thing to do. And it really is juggling. It's a juggling act. It's a delicate balancing act. And so many of you do it so well, and I think anyone that's doing it at all is really doing it well. So we're going to come back after a break and talk a little bit more about that. But before we go to break, I'd love to give people some contact information. Dezetta, how can people find you online, or where can people reach you? I'm on Psychology Today, Dezetta Burnett, and I have a website, DezettaBurnett.com, which is probably hard for people to spell, D-E-B-E-T-T-A, and then Burnett, B-U-R-N-E-T-T.com, and that's it. Okay, great. And I can be reached always at DanielleDelaneyCounseling.com or at TheRealDealWithDanielle at gmail.com. And I'm on Twitter at It's Danny Delaney, Instagram, Danny Delaney. Send a carrier pigeon, do whatever you need to, but reach out if you'd like to talk <laughs> about this. And we'll be right back after the break to talk some more with Dezetta Burnett about juggling it all and being a superwoman and a mom. We'll be right back. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. If you think you've seen online TV before... 
Let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney. If you'd like to connect with Danielle, feel free to send an email to Danielle at gmail.com. That's Danielle at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. Hello, and we are back, and you are back, listening to The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney. My guest today is Devetta Burnett, who is a psychotherapist in Los Angeles, and she is also a mother. And we are talking, we were talking before the break about juggling it all and how a single mom, particularly a single mom, but all moms, are so expected to keep it together all the time and look like they have it all together, and sound like they have it all together, and work, and keep a beautiful home, and keep a clean kid, and keep a healthy kid, and keep an active social life, and it just sounds like a tall order to me. How do you feel about it? Like when you, I mean, it's your life, so honestly, when you look at it, would you do anything differently, or do you feel like, you know, there's something I wish I'd done differently, or this is exactly the way I I want it to be? What do you feel? Um, I just feel like this is a card that I was given. This is what God has for me because I could not imagine doing this. No one could have told me that I would ever be a single mom, number one, and no one could have told me that I would be able to manage it. <laughs> and I think that's the part that I, because everyone knows I was the girl that would wait to do her final paper 20 pages the night before it was due. So now oh, I, I was like that to too. Plan. What was wrong with us? Why do we do that? <laughs> right. Why would I give myself that pressure? And now I have this pressure of motherhood. So I think it's just the card. It's just how I deal with life. But I think I've been, it's what I'm supposed to do. So that's why it comes so naturally. And I'm not saying every day is easy. Like some days are not easy. Today we were going over spelling words in the car and she's like, I don't want to go over spelling words. And I'm like, you're five. Let's go over the words. I'm just negotiating with a five-year-old sometimes. (laughs) It's my biggest challenge of the day. (laughs) I love it. I love it. She's adorable, by the way. She is so cute. I've seen pictures, and I haven't met her in person over these years, and we need to get together so I can do that. It would be such an honor. And I wanted to ask you this question, because as someone who is child-free and does not have any children, I find that friendships with people who do have children can be challenging. I've had the... um, I mean, I've probably had a very different experience than you have in this area because being in my 40s, I'm 47, and I feel like friends of mine that have kids think that I am still in my 20s. Like, they think I stagnated while they were having kids. I was building my career, and they may have been building their career too, but it's almost as though, you know, you said you have friends who can party and travel and do this and that even though they have a career. I really can't do any of that, and I also have no desire to do that. So I matured, although I didn't have children, and I feel like Sometimes that's lost on them. As soon as their kid is at camp or when it's a, a co-parenting situation and the, the child is with the father or the other parent, they'll call 
or reach out some, in some way, a text or Facebook, whatever, and they'll say, hey, Danielle, do you want to go out? You know, where's the cool spot now? And it's like, I don't know. I have no idea. <laughs> like, I wouldn't have anything to do with that anymore. I would feel like somebody's mother if I were in those kinds of situations. It's just the last thing. What's that? Did you say something? I was just, no, I was just laughing because you can't lose your swag no matter what your age is. That's what they're expecting. <laughs> well, I, I, don't know, I just think that some places it just doesn't feel appropriate anymore. Like there's things I just wouldn't want to do anymore <laughs> at my age, regardless of being a parent or not. And then I find people who are parents that feel they they're missing out. So the minute they're without their kids, they are they're just acting like they just got out of jail. I'm like, what are you doing? And I see them posting these pictures. They're partying. They're doing this. I'm thinking, don't you have a 14-year-old? Don't you have a 15-year-old? Oh, yeah, he's out of town or he's with his grandparents or whatever. But I think sometimes, I don't know, I think maybe they feel that they lost out on some time of doing that and they're doing it later. And I have to check myself from being judgmental about it because I think she has every right or he has every right. They have fun. They can't, they're having fun. It's just not the, my kind of fun anymore. It's something that I feel I sort of outgrew. But that, that could be because of my career. And if they don't have that and they don't have a passion in life that's their career and their child is their passion and their child's out of sight and cared for, why shouldn't they go and have fun? So it's just my fun is a different kind of fun now, I think. It's just to me a movie and dinner or um, just relaxing is my fun. And then I don't, I don't want to take a whole lot of vacations because I've built a life that kind of is a vacation when I'm, when I'm not working I'm relaxed and I live somewhere that I love and I, I can do the things I like to do. And, um, and when you love your work anyway, it doesn't feel like work, you know, and you're passionate about it. So I have sort of a thing where I've, I, I feel I've been judgmental in some moments where my friends are my age and they're taking a break and they're having fun without their kid. And I think, well, why didn't they grow up? But I do think there's sometimes that feeling of lost, lost youth when they've had them very young. What do you feel about that? I think that? it's that. I think it could be that, but what I think it is, no matter where you are in life, everybody always wants to go back to their prior level of functioning. So when I don't have a Maya, I want to not be a Maya's mom. So that's every other place in this world. I'm a Maya's mom. I'm a Maya's mom. Hi, Maya's mom. I don't have a name. Gisetta Burnett is only said at work. It's the only place I feel like a normal human being sometimes. Wow. That that's my identity. Because at school, I'm a Maya's mom. When the kids talk to me, I'm a Maya's mom. See, I, don't, I mean, the list goes on. So to be able to go out and to have happy hour with my girlfriend, I am not Maya's mom in this moment. I am Zetta, and it feels it's such a different feeling. It's just I like can almost a sigh of relief. Wow, that must be really like a coming back to yourself when you get those moments where you're out being Dezetta instead of being Amaya's mom. And as much as you love being her mother, yeah, I'm sure you do miss that. And it's, that's an interesting perspective because I didn't really think of it that way. And I look at it as, um, you know, my friend will say, this is Valentina's mom calling when she's calling the school and I'm with her. And I'll think, oh, that's right, you're Valentina's mom calling the school. <laughs> because to me, she's not Valentina's mom, she's my friend Ange. So it's, it's right. interesting to watch that, that, you know, that what your perspective is on that is so different from mine, not being a mom and seeing my friend still as the same person, but they're seeing themselves as an, their identity is completely different most of the time now. Right. You don't know who you are most days. I mean, even when you take a shower, it's not your shower anymore. There's someone walking in asking questions and the moments alone, my only (laughs) time that I really feel alone that I can talk to my friends is in my car which I call my phone booth. That's when I can make all my calls. <laughs> you call it your phone booth. I love that. My phone booth. There's no dog barking. I don't have to look at the turtle. There's no person. 
is my phone booth. From the time I drop her off to the time I pick her up, that is my phone booth. We can have major <laughs> conversations. That is hysterical. Even that you say that when you get out of the shower, there's someone talking to you. I, I, I don't have that experience at all. And it, it made a story come to light for me. A friend of mine came to see where I live, and she was walking around, and my bathtub is very opulent and has candles and flowers and all of that. And she looked at me and said, Danielle, you take baths? And she actually said it almost in an accusatory tone. And I said, well, yeah. And she looked at me and just said, I don't get to do that. And I thought, wow, you really don't because your kids are little. And they're running in there. They have something to say. They need something. So even if she thinks she's going to luxuriate in the water, she's probably really not for maybe a minute at most before someone comes in and needs something with a couple of kids. So I can, it's just a different perspective. And I'm really glad to get that perspective from you because I do feel that women, you know, we should always be coming together and not growing apart. And eventually your kids will be away at school and or a way, you know, having their own families, whatever they choose to do with their lives when they grow up, and you'll be back to yourselves. And those of us that are child-free, we'll get you back. You know, we get you back. And I don't think there should be such a, such a separation during that time. And I've really tried in my life to make effort. I don't know a lot of, of, of moms who've told me that same experience they've had with myself. They tell me their friends that are single or don't have children don't show up at their kids' birthdays and don't show up to have dinner with them and don't come by. And I found it to be my responsibility. When my friends had very young children, I made the time to go to them when I could uh, because I felt like I can st- actually stay over. I can actually play with your kids. I can show up at the birthday parties. I can be that fun friend of your mom's. And it was fun to right. do it. But I feel like there's a, a disconnect too because now that I, my career has been so you know, just, just busy over the past several years, they wonder what happened to me. <laughs> and it's not that I'm neglecting them. It's that they don't get that my life is entirely full. It is really at capacity. And I have a very full life with my business, with my clients, with my sessions. And sometimes it can run till 10 or 11 at night with evening sessions, with couples sessions, emergencies. I do interventions. It, it can come out of left field. And I have that availability and I do it. And they seem to feel neglected a little bit, I've noticed. And I think because they had the model of me in the beginning that I was available. <laughs> they, they had that, that, um, that picture in their head that I could show up at the kids' parties and I could meet them for lunch. And now that's just not the case. So what do you find in your friendships has changed, even with other moms? What do you think is different these years of being a mom? What are your friendships like? My friendships changes because my morals have kind of, my morals and views on life changed a lot. So I think that's the first thing that changed. And mm-hmm. so the friends I had prior, we still, I still try to connect with them, but I think I learned in therapy a really important thing. And I try to share this with my clients now that my, my lifelong friends, the majority of them will, will be the parents of Amaya's friends because that's who I'm now spending the most time with. Right. Because my friends aren't having kids when I have kids. And I thought when she said that, it was like the craziest thing, right? But now I'm a mm. classroom parent and I'm taking home other people's kids and other people are saying, and I'm spending time with, you know, all these children. And now I'm spending time with their parents and I'm like, okay, I formed these relationships. But my friends that are single are very hands-on. They don't have children and, they, and some of them desire them, but they're very hands-on with the mind. So they'll pick her up. They don't miss birthday parties. We'll still try to hang out. But it's just hard. It's hard to maintain those relationships because we don't have the same topics in common. They don't want to hear about me. Um, Amaya's piano lesson, all the whole conversation, they want to hear <laughs> something else. At least you know, at so, least you know that. That's good. 
Right. Even though it's good, they're just like, okay, well, can we talk about something on television? And I don't get a chance to watch Scandal and all the latest shows because by the time she's going to bed, I'm going to bed too. So right. my, that, that kind of impedes on my social life. And so add dating in that, like, so having friends and adding dating in that is like a recipe for chaos. It's like I can imagine. Get together. Interesting. Such an interesting perspective to get from you because, honestly, that, that one thing you said about they don't want to hear about Amaya's piano lesson the whole time, and you're right, they don't. They really don't. <laughs> Nobody does, and nobody's ever going to be as interested in your child as you are, and I have a couple friends who get that. My friend who has three children up in Northern California, my friend Angela, I remember she didn't talk about her kids that much in the beginning, and I thought, wow, and she said, hey, I, I had kids later in life, and I remember listening to everything about how they're chewing, what they're eating, how they're pooping, this, that, with all her friends, and she wasn't that interested, and she said, I know that not everyone is as interested in my kids as I am. And so she was able to be very self-aware, and I really admired that. And I actually would have to ask her, how is Miles? How is Dane? How is Sophie? And I pulled this out of her because I wanted to know, hey, what's up with your kids? And I really thought, because she was also a working woman and still is, that she, we continued to have things in common. And I think the common ground thread is what, in in our 40s, is something that keeps us grounded and in touch with other women and, and feeling like we have similar experiences when we have something else to talk about. So I think that's a big thing, you know, women rem- remembering that there's life outside of their kids and that you are still Dezetta, like you said, when you're with your friends, <laughs> and being able to kind of take a breather from being mommy and talk about Dezetta stuff. And even if you don't have time to watch the same shows or even if you don't, to ask about your friend and ask about her life and, um, and just to still have that, that connection because that person, their morals and values probably changed too as they got older. And they're not right where you left them. They're still moving forward. And it's just really nice when, when parents as well as people who don't have kids can connect on that level. Because at some point, you're all going to be at the same place again where kids aren't in the home. Right. You know, I mean, it's far off for you right now. <laughs> but I'm but, hoping, but it's going by pretty fast. We have a first grade. I mean, it's, it, it speeds up. Like, you look at one day, you have this person that's not talking to you, to this full person that's giving you their opinion, and to this person that wants complete independence. So I think that's why it's really important to maintain those relationships, because she needs less of me now. Now she wants to be with her peers and less with me. She wants to stay at school. I don't seem to get there at three. She's like, no, I want to be in the after school program. It's like, why? I'm picking you up. Like, you can leave now. She's like, I just want to stay till 4.30. So she negotiates with you. To, now I can negotiate. Right. It's always a negotiation. Always. So, I mean, just now I have that extra hour. I can go to the gym. I don't have to go to the gym when she's sleeping. So just those relationships. So I can call one of my girlfriends and we can meet for coffee. And that's what we do. It's so funny. I have a girlfriend that's a scientist. We both were working from home last week, and so we worked at Panera Bread, and we didn't talk anything about kids. We were talking about being excited to go get a pedicure after we're done with our work, the things we don't get to do in life. Oh, see, that's Um, so nice that you got to fit in some self-care and doing things for yourself. How do you fit in self-care? Speaking of structure, how do you fit in self-care with being a busy mom and a working mom? And, I mean, I know that I can hardly fit it in around my work schedule. I can run and get a manicure in the middle of the day when the session cancels or when it's really my lunchtime and I'm eating an apple and going to get my nails done or something. And those things may not sound important to some people, but for me, I take meetings. I'm, I'm a businesswoman. I 
have companies. I need to meet with people and look professional and look polished and pulled together. And I also just, you know, my personal life because I'm not a mom, so I do get to go out to dinners or do things. But I need to be pulled together, but I know that I can find time for self-care. I know that I can get a massage or have a spa day on a Saturday. And I know as a parent, that's really hard to find. How do you work around, how do you find that to get your self-care in? How do you do that? Well, the beauty is two things. I have a friend that owns a salon, so I can take my kid there and she can wait and they will well, play with her. Well, that's pretty great. Right, that's pretty great. But then my hairstylist only takes an hour. So that's only an hour versus what I used to spend in the salon, two or three hours. So it's like I get in and I get out and I'm able to look polished regardless. And hair is a deal breaker. I go to get my hair done every week. I have my manicure and pedicure every two weeks. I polish my nails clear now because I don't like the way the gel chips. Just those compromises that you have to make as a mom. Right. I want to look polished and I don't want to look like a mom. And what we view moms to look like when they don't (laughs) have everything together. Right. I still want to not be Amaya's mom when I step out the car. Everyone's looking like, well, you look like you look a little disheveled. So I try <laughs> to keep it together and really and really keep myself together. Um, but the hardest part, I think, in all that is working out, because after you're tired, like, how do you maintain energy to work out? And I right. think people say, like, you can go to the gym. So I've been sneaking yoga in at 6 a.m. in the morning or doing Bikram at night at bedtime. But just trying to have a balance so that your diet is right and you don't put on the excess pounds that mothers do because it's hard. It's hard to right. be a mom and maintain the mom shape or the figure that people think you should have. Oh, my goodness. Um, it's hard to keep that in check even when you're, you know, if you're in your 40s and you're just working. It's hard to, and you don't have a child. It's hard to make sure you plan your meals to be healthy and, and that there's protein and that there's this and that there's that, and that you're not just grabbing, you know, a, a Quest bar or something on your way out the door. That you have to have your fruit and your vegetables and do the whole thing when you're very busy. I can't imagine. And you're also feeding another person. So you're planning another person's meals and you're planning everything with another person and, and your doctor's appointments as well as their doctor appointments. I think it's just so, it's so admirable that you and other mothers are able to fit everything in. And it is sort of a superwoman thing, but I think it has gotten in our culture to a point where people expect it. That you, like you said, the vulnerability is hard to show the cracks in the armor of just, I'm having a hard time doing this. And I think it is really important for people to be able to admit that, that they're not getting the time in for self-care, that they may be disheveled here or there for a minute, and that it's okay. It's really okay because I feel that way sometimes, and I don't have a kid that's pulling me in that direction. It's just that I had seven sessions and an intervention, and I'm exhausted, but I'll do the best I can. But you guys really have an awful lot on your plate. You really do, and it's, it's completely admirable to me. I think it's, you deserve an award for the most important job in the world, taking care of these kids. You really do. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think enough women get awards, and I don't. And I just think women should be more patient with themselves because I think we have these expectations of ourselves, these dreams we have in life, and when they get derailed a little bit, we get a little discouraged. And so, being vulnerable, being patient, knowing that you may not get your hair done or you may not be able to do something for yourself, sometimes it's going to happen. But I think it's really important to maintain your relationships. That's what's going to really get you through. Because as you said, when we get older, when the kids are in college, who do you have to talk to? Especially if you don't have a companion. Or let's say you have a companion and, you know, mm-hmm. he's, he has his own set of friends. Mm-hmm. What about that? Let's talk about that a little bit. Speaking of companions, what about dating? 
as a single mom, what are you, could you tell me in a few minutes about, you know, just tell me what, what do you look, what does it look like to you? What does it look like to you? Because it's a very different thing than being someone who's not a parent, having a relationship, having business. I can have my relationship and I can have my business and it all fits together when I need it to. But I can't imagine having a little person whose mind is there to take everything in and knowing that their little sponges and their minds are taking everything in. How do you feel about introducing them to someone new or about being in a long-term relationship or, or starting off dating? If you're single, you're starting off dating, but you're single with a child. What do you feel about all of that? Tell me what your perspective is. So my perspective is a little different. I always tell people to, you have to do what you want to do with dating. For me, it's a little uncomfortable because I'm a therapist, so I'm analyzing the date. I'm analyzing mm-hmm. the guy. Who's appropriate for her? Should I bring him around or what time? But I, for me, it's dating after dark. That's what I call it. So after she goes <laughs> to bed or while she's at school, I can date. And it, it's been successful for me. I've, I've been able to date after dark um, for some time. And she's, she hasn't met a ton of guys because I don't introduce her to anyone that I had dated but I've, only, I've been lucky to only date one person. And so, you know, just navigating that has been a challenge. But for women, what I would suggest is to date after dark because you don't want – if hire a babysitter. You don't want your child meeting a person that could potentially not be there later because right. that disrupts their, their, their development too because now they want that person. How long do you think? How long do you think it should be? I mean, I really don't know what 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 a woman thinks who's single and in our age range in their 30s or 40s and is dating and has a child. How long do you feel is appropriate before you introduce your child that it's a permanent relationship? I mean, how do you know something's permanent? How do you know? I mean, it's just sort of life throws curveballs. So, how when do you feel it's the right time? I, don't, I think that's an open discussion for the, per, the two people dating. I don't know what time is the right time. I think it, it depends on the person. But what I really think is, as women, we allow so many things men don't, right? So a man will date you forever, and he will not let you be the child until he feels like it's the right time. Mm-hmm. We'll jump in and allow you to meet our child. So I think thinking that part of, like, thinking like a man, when would he do it? We jump to give things before they're given to us. So just pacing it out. There's no rush for this person to get to know your child because you're still getting to know this person. So when you feel like you know this person enough and that it's safe, and when I say safe, I mean emotionally safe to introduce this person so they don't come in your life mm-hmm. like, out really quickly, mm-hmm. yeah. and that's the appropriate time to introduce. Or introduce him as a friend. He doesn't have to be their date. I mean, he doesn't have to, they, the child doesn't have to see him sleep over. He can, I mean, there's several different ways to navigate it that your child never knows who this person is to you. That sounds very wise to me because I think it's always good to err on the side of caution and not get your child attached to somebody that may be temporary in their lives. And taking your time, I think, is so important for everyone in in different areas. You know, just not having such expectations of yourself, whether it's with a man or a relationship or anyone else in your life, and just taking your time. I think that's a really important point because parents... Wow, I mean, the time does fly before your kids are, they're, they're just aging quickly. They grow up quickly. I hear that time flies right by, and I notice it with my friends' kids. I see them and think, weren't you three a minute ago? How are you 11 now? But it just flies by. The time really goes by quickly, and there is no rush. There is no rush for any of it, it seems to me. But I know that people want what they want, and they feel like they should be, you know, should, quote, unquote, in a different different stratosphere in their relationships or, or anything, and they feel like maybe that'll speed things up if they introduce their child, or maybe they feel like they're being secretive if they don't introduce their child. What if he doesn't get along with their child? What if she doesn't get along with their child? So I, I know that's got to be a whole 
area full of landmines that I think therapy would probably really help. You know, if someone's coming to therapy and coming to you or coming to me, they can talk to us about it. We can help them navigate that territory between what feels right. Because I think it's very individual. It's very individual. I don't think you can jump in it as a one-size-fits-all concept because what may work for me may not work for someone else. It's that you look for in dating and that you think, okay, well, I did it this way, so let me do it this way. But it took me therapy to understand what I should be looking for when I'm dating and what are the stop signs that I run through. Like, I, why, why run through red when mm-hmm. you're not supposed to? Like, <laughs> look at the stop signs to stop you from getting to this other place in another relationship. Like, there are warning signs that we ignore yes. because we want this happily ever after or this beautiful picture, right? Exactly. But that beautiful picture will only come when you put the work in and you truly understand what it is you want and what are the deal breakers in relationships. Nothing's perfect, but there's some things that you just cannot stand for. Exactly. And so really looking at that is I what think I think therapy. I think that's true across the board. Red lights are red for a reason. Let's not pretend they're green, people. You know, pay attention. If something seems a little bit shady or a little bit like a warning or you get that gut feeling, it's, there's probably something that's not going to be a go. It's not going to go the distance. And um, we tend to ignore that sometimes. People tend to ignore that in general, men and women, that they just feel, oh, but I want this. You can't want something so badly that you're ignoring what the reality is that's right in front of you. So I think for parents, that has to be a particular concern. And I think that's really, really sad sound, sage advice that, you know, if it's a red light, it's a red light. It doesn't, doesn't fit. It's not a fit. Let's not pretend it does, right? And being single is not the end of the world. Like, you've been single before. That's the thing. Like, it's, it's, always, it's how we deal with all our clients. We always tell them, what's uncomfortable? You've been uncomfortable before. So go back and think about when the last time you felt uncomfortable and what it felt like and deal with it. But to take in a relationship that you know is potentially not healthy for your child and exposing your child to that can do more harm. And then that's when we have to go back and try to untangle that and put the child back into the place they were previously. When just if you pace yourself and take these gradual steps, because now you're dating for two. Right. You're dating that's for true. two. You're dating. That's true. And save yourself the headache. Don't make the bad decision. Just kind of do it. take your time and do it slowly and pace yourself. And I think all of your advice today, Dazetta, has been so useful and so helpful for parents, men, women, single, married, otherwise, but especially all of this information about being a single parent, being a working woman, doing it all. Can you, again, let us know where people can reach you before we close? Because I'd love people to be able to reach you and talk about this or, or make an appointment with you. How can people reach you? You can reach me at DazettaBurnett.com or DazettaB at gmail.com. Okay, fantastic. And I can always be reached at DanielleDelaneyCounseling.com. And all of my social media is on there. So you can just go to the contact profile and contact page and find me. Or you can email me regarding this show anytime at The Real Deal with Danielle at gmail.com. And thank you again, Dazetta. Thank you. It's been my pleasure having you. Thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure being on. It's been a delight. So everyone join me again next week and every week, Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney. And be well and do well. Take care. Thanks for joining us this week. Be sure to catch The Real Deal with Danielle Delaney live every Tuesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We can't wait for you to see what's in store next week.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.